content you're about to listen to may include segments of animal cruelty. Welcome to Moonlight Road, a podcast that goes deep into the Bad News Canal's investigation. For the past of the while, a group has been conducting research to get a better understanding of the investigation. This podcast will tell you the entire story of how NFL star Michael Vick ran a dogfighting ring on his Virginia property, 1915 Moonlight Road. Today's episode will go over how the investigation started and how police discovered Vic's property. In the town of Surrey, Virginia, where whispers were often carried by the wind, the notorious Bad News Canals investigation was set into motion. It all began when a spark of suspicion ignited within the sharp mind of Detective John Mitchell, a seasoned investigator with a reputation for unearthing hidden truths. His intuition, honed by years of experience, told him that something sinister was brewing beneath the surface of their seemingly peaceful community. Detective Mitchell was known for his unwavering dedication to justice, his piercing gaze seeing beyond the facade that others often overlooked. He possessed a natural ability to connect the dots, linking fragments of information into a coherent picture. This time was no different. As the flickering flames of his suspicion grew stronger, he realized he couldn't undertake this investigation alone. Enter Detective Sarah Lawson, a brilliant and tenacious investigator. Her reputation for unwavering thoroughness made her the perfect partner for Detective Mitchell. Together, they formed an unbreakable alliance, their complementary skills combining to create a force to be reckoned with. Both detectives shared a deep sense of compassion, particularly for the vulnerable and voiceless. Their commitment to justice burned like a flame with their souls, driving them to unravel the secrets that laid ahead. They were determined to expose the darkness that tainted their community, no matter the cost. As the investigation gained momentum, Detective Mitchell and Detective Lawson became an inseparable duo their shared purpose propelling them forward. Their dedication was unwavering, despite the shadows that moved along the outskirts, threatening to engulf them. They became the light in the darkness, the unwavering sentinels of justice in the face of mounting danger. Their pursuit of truth took them down winding paths, revealing layers of corruption and deceit that tested their resolve. It was their unwavering belief in the power of justice and their tireless pursuit of it that set them apart. With each step forward, they grew closer to the heart of the bad news canals, closer to the answers that would bring light to the hidden horrors. Detective Mitchell and Detective Lawson knew the road ahead would be treacherous, but they remained undeterred. Their unwavering commitment to justice, their unbreakable bond, and their unyielding pursuit of the truth became the driving force behind the bad news canals investigation. Together, they stood as beacons of hope, resolute in their mission to expose the darkness and bring those responsible to account. Amidst the shadows of secrecy that enveloped the Bad News Canal's investigation, there emerged a figure who played a pivotal role in unraveling the dark tapestry of cruelty and abuse. The informant, whose identity remained shrouded in anonymity, became an unexpected ally in the pursuit of justice. While their motives and background remained a mystery, their information proved to be a lifelong for the detectives. The informant's role was that of a silent observer, a whisper in the night, 
feeding morsels of crucial information to Detective John Mitchell and Detective Sarah Lawson. It was through their tips that the detectives were able to peel back the layers of deception surrounding the dogfighting ring. The informant's knowledge of the inner workings of the clandestine operation proved invaluable, guiding the investigation towards key players and locations. Their involvement added an element of suspense to the already intricate web of the case. Like a shadowy figure slipping through the cracks, the informant navigated dangerous terrain, risking their own safety to expose the truth. The reasons for coming forward may have been varied, a desire for redemption, a need for justice, or perhaps a personal vendetta against those involved. With each clandestine meeting, the informant would provide vital puzzle pieces shedding light on the operations, the participants, and the suffering endured by innocent animals. Their information acted as a compass, pointing the detectives in the right direction, while keeping their true identity shielded from the prying eyes of those who sought to silence them. As the investigation intensified, the informant's role became increasingly perilous. They lived on the fringes of darkness, walking on a tightrope between safety and exposure. Their insider knowledge made them a target, as powerful figures within the dogfighting ring would stop at nothing to protect their illicit operations, yet driven by an unyielding determination to expose the truth. The informant persisted providing the detectives with a lifeline to justice. In the swirling storm of deceit and danger, the informant's information became the lifeblood of the investigation. Their courage and willingness to cooperate with law enforcement became a beacon of hope, a glimmer of justice in a world overshadowed by cruelty. Through their hidden acts of bravery, the informant contributed to the dismantling of the Bad News Canal's empire forever altering the lives of the victims and paving the way for a long overdue reckoning. In the labyrinth investigation of the Bad News Canals, Detective John Mitchell discovered his first lead, a flickering glimmer of hope amidst darkness. It came in the form of a discreet tip, a whisper in the shadows, directing his attention towards an elusive figure known only as Big Mike. With a surge of adrenaline and a renewed sense of purpose, Mitchell set off on a path that would shape the course of the entire investigation. The lead was tenuous at best, with little more than a vague description to go on. But Mitchell's intuition and years of experience guided him, urging him to follow this fragile thread. He embarked on a relentless pursuit, meticulously combining through records, connecting dots, and digging into the underground network that enabled the despicable activities of the dogfighting ring. Days turned into sleepless nights as Mitchell tirelessly gathered fragments of information, slowly piecing together the puzzle surrounding quote-unquote Big Mike. The name reverberated through his mind, a symbol of the untold stories and the unspeakable suffering inflicted upon the innocent animals. He knew that uncovering the truth behind this mysterious figure would be a pivotal moment in this investigation. Through a web of confidential informants, covert surveillance, and painstalking interviews, Mitchell gradually closed in on his quarry. His determination fueled his every step, driving him forward even when the odds seemed little to none. As the lead gained traction, a picture emerged, a portrait of a man deeply entrenched in the dogfighting world, a key player in the dark empire of the Bad News Canals. Detective Mitchell's first lead became a turning point, a beacon illuminating the path towards justice. It revealed the existence of a hidden network, a web of criminals and co-conspirators that would slowly unravel under the relentless scrutiny 
of the investigation. With the capture of Big Mike, the detectives took one step closer to unmasking the truth, the extent of the horrors lurking within the bad news canals, and ensuring that those responsible will be held accountable for their crimes. What lessons can be learned from previous acts of violence towards animals, and how can they be applied to prevent similar incidents in the future? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there are unfortunately in, um, in recent history some horrific uh, cases that we know of, and because of the, the incident in Virginia a couple of years ago with a famous individual, uh, that got a lot of publicity because uh, there was a famous person who was involved in that. Um, probably you can assume that when you hear about a, a terrible situation like that where uh, a famous person is involved, you can probably assume that there are lots more cases where a famous person wasn't involved um, and so you never heard about it. Um, so in some ways, um, at least there is education around that, uh, around that issue because uh, of the media awareness that was raised by the case. Um, these, these terrible, inhumane actions, um, I, I think it's safe to say that a lot of us probably didn't even know that such horrible things were, were happening until it came out in the news uh, five or six years ago with this with this individual who was involved. And so in that respect, I think maybe it's a wake-up call for people um, to realize, you know, we may care for our uh, the pets in our household, in our families, um, but it's a reminder that there are animals in the world, even in our own um, communities, who are not cared for. And we need to take individual and collective action to commit ourselves to ensuring that every animal is cared for and has the life that it deserves. And that means, you know, making sure that the animals that are in our circles are cared for, but also ensuring that the people that we entrust uh, in our society, the people that we elect at the federal, provincial, and municipal levels, um, and the people who educate uh, young people, um, that at every step in the process that we consider the impact of policies on animals, and that animals and their protection and their welfare um, are things that we consider and that we um, we prioritize so that so that when there are um, incidents like this, we learn from them and commit ourselves to a society where those sorts of things don't happen. But in the meantime, they are happening, and we need to be vigilant whenever anything like that um, is happening. And if we suspect something, now this is another thing that um, there have been cases where um, we as an organization depended on neighbors. We had um, a case where there were um, there was a colony of cats that were living in a house and uh, and they had been basically abandoned by people who had left the home. And uh, it was a neighbor who let us know. So we need to keep an eye on our neighborhood too. And if we think that there there is an animal or or a number of animals in our neighborhood who are not being proper for it. We should know. We should keep an eye on them, and we should uh, we should know who to contact in the event that their 
interventions to ensure that the animal is cared for. So how much did it hurt people like you that he became the face of dog fighting in America? Before Michael Vick, really nobody was concerned about uh, the dog game. There was other more serious things for them to, to pay attention to. We got sentenced right along with him. By far, Michael Vick's conviction has, has brought this to the limelight. Prior to the Vick indictment, Sergeant Michael Gabrielson of the Kettering, Ohio Police Department was at the forefront of dogfighting investigations. For 14 months, he went undercover in this neighborhood and others near Dayton, infiltrating an organized dogfighting operation. In the spring of 07, Gabrielson gave the signal that led to raids in this location and 12 others at the same moment. Sergeant, what happened here at this warehouse? That was the culmination of 14-month-long undercover investigation. The dogfighting organization had arranged to host two dogfights here on that evening. I'm standing at the door, and unbeknownst to them, what was actually going to happen, you'll see here shortly, is that this was the night that everybody was going to be arrested. Just prior to the takedown signal, I'm waiting for them to tell me it's okay to leave. The SWAT team entered with tear gas, and one of the men convicted that night, Terry Kendrick, who once refereed a fight involving a dog from Vic's Bad News Kennels, received a jail term of 13 and a half years for dogfighting and other felonies. The number of raids on dogfighting operations doubled from the year before Michael Vick's indictment to the year after. John Goodwin is the manager of animal fighting issues at the Humane Society of the United States. He has compiled a database to quantify the reported incidents of dogfighting dating back two years before the Vick case began in 2007. So if you were to characterize the impact of the Michael Vick case on dogfighting in America, what stands out? I looked at all of the dogfighting cases I could find from 2006 and 2008. I found that the number of raids on these operations doubled because some of these investigations were larger. The number of people that were arrested jumped 150%, and the number of dogs that were rescued from these operations also doubled. In 2009, that crackdown has become even more evident. Just weeks ago, the feds executed the largest dogfighting bust in United States history, in which 175 people are expected to be indicted, and nearly 500 dogs have already been rescued. The Michael Vick conviction shed light on a crime that was primarily overlooked by the public and by law enforcement, and that's a good thing. What have you personally had to do differently because of this indictment of Michael Vick? Be more careful who I associate with, uh, close off my yard to the public, uh, and basically uh, go really underground. And how have you done that? By not advertising my dogs in magazines, I stopped advertising on the computer. I'm losing uh, like about 40% of my business, but in the long run, it's worth it. Uh, I just, now it's on a need to know basis. If you don't know, you don't need to know. While professionals like Lopez have become less visible, the Humane Society says there is another form of dogfighting that has exploded among urban teens. There, it's about who has the baddest dog in the neighborhood. I attended a fight where a referee had his son there, and he was everything that he did as a referee. He was turning around and teaching to his son, just like you would teach your son to, you know, ride a bike. I saw dogfighters that would bring their kids to dogfights. We really need to make an impact by educating younger people that this is wrong. 
And that's where Michael Vick comes in. I love you, man. I'm praying for you and your family, man. Vick remains the face of dogfighting in America, and it's his potential influence on young people that moved Humane Society President Wayne Pacelli to visit him in jail. What struck you most about your conversation with Vic? How he got into it. He was um, just eight years old, he said, when he got involved. And he and the other kids in a poor community in Newport News um, would fight dogs. And nobody told them it was wrong. Now, the Humane Society has joined forces with the man it once demonized. Our goal is simple, end dogfighting in America. And I thought we could get much farther down the field by engaging with him than by endlessly flogging him. Well, what about the people who say he's simply using you as a public relations tool? He wants to speak out against dogfighting. He wants to speak to kids on the street. That's what we do. We're using him. He's a foot soldier. The Humane Society estimates that the dogfighting industry has already shrunk to roughly half of what was once a $700 million business. But to the Humane Society, that means their job is only halfway done. We want to eradicate this activity, and we've got a range of programs to achieve that goal. The Humane Society told us that their objective is to eradicate dogfighting. What do you think their chances of doing that are? Slim and none. This ain't like a, like a war on drugs, a war on uh, terror. We're three steps ahead. It's like a chess game. Now, on to your dogfighting news of the episode. Did you know that 57% of Americans believe dogfighting doesn't happen in the community? Thank you for joining us on this episode of Moonline Road, where we dove into the infamous Bad News Canals investigation. It is a stark reminder of the dark, world of dogfighting and the lives affected by the school practice. We hope this episode shed light on the investigations and suspicions that paved the way for justice to be served. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Moonlight Road Pod and subscribe to our YouTube channel Moonlight Road to stay updated on our podcast journey. We also encourage you to support the cause against animal cruelty by donating to the SBCA organization. Together, we can make a difference and work towards a future where all animals are treated with compassion and respect. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Moonlight Road.